Welcome to the F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast. It's your birthday today. So a big happy birthday to Craig Kelly, and we originally planned to have the whole thing done for Craig's birthday today, but we still got a lot of work to do, more people to interview, and a whole lot of editing. So we made a teaser edit with some of the stuff you've already heard from Palmer, Gooch, Dave Downing, if you've listened to every episode of the podcast, plus some never-before-heard footage from Peter Line, Jamie Lynn, Jeff Fulton, and Sean Sullivan, as well as Kelly Joe, Craig's first wife, Brad Stewart, who was running Sims when Craig left, Judge Ferris, who adjudicated the Sims versus Burton case that resulted from Craig leaving Sims back in like 88. And before we roll the tape, I'd like to thank everyone involved in helping us get this going, especially Gillian, Craig's sister, who among other things has shared this story from her mom about Craig as a baby. Now, as most of you would know, Craig's unique style included riding with his knees together. And so this is a forwarded message from Craig's mom. Craig was very bow-legged as a baby from birth orthopedic doctor had him wear a steel bar anytime he slept naps and at night and special shoes were attached to force his legs to correct the bow so he would not have to have surgery or be an extremely bowed adult he was so talented he learned how to swing that bar over the railing on his baby bed and walk with his feet attached to this bar once i checked on him while he was napping and found him hanging upside down when he caught the bar and a shoe on the railing and got stuck I think this was all a precursor to his becoming a great snowboarder. Little smiley face there. Big thanks to Craig's mom for sharing that. Yeah, let's get on to the show. Again, it's just a teaser with some clips that we have put together for this special occasion, Craig's birthday. Enjoy. First place, riding for Burton Snowboard out of Seattle, Washington, Craig Kelly. It was like the Craig Kelly McDonald's board with nine, no base graphics on it. Like, whoa, how's Craig Kelly? We're definite, definite rivals. I mean, I had complete respect for him because he trained so hard and was freaking serious. But I did my time off like natural talent and just partying and skateboarding and shit. He was like training for it. Today I just said, I got to go for it. No matter what, I'm going to go for the win. Whatever I come up with, I come up with. So at the top and the gate, I was just thinking, I'm going to go all out. It's either crash or go as fast as I can until we push the limits. And I think I pushed my limits about as far as I could. Okay, oh, 0.14. <laughs> Way to be, bro. You're driving faster, aren't you? But, I mean, he won a lot, you know? I, re- I respect him, but at the same time, we definitely had a, a serious rival. He didn't care for me that much, is what I hear. <laughs> we were all good. We'd have beers and shit together, but it's just fun. We weren't tight or something. You know what I mean? called home, talked to my sister. Somebody didn't see the contest, and I said, and they say, how'd you do? And I'd say, I got second. They go, oh, bummer, that's too bad. But to me, it's great. You know, be in the top three any time. You know, Craig always said, you know, try to imagine yourself a ball being rolled from the top and see where that ball goes down the mountain and then try to emulate that line. Kind of open up my eyes to truly trying to understand adapting yourself to going downhill in the snow and doing it as fluid as possible with the least amount of resistance and maximum amount of speed. If Tom Sims owned Sims, yeah. I don't think he ever would have left. Craig's like, dude, I'm down. Like, if I if I can talk, that's why he loved Jake. He could talk to Jake. He could call him on the phone and go, dude, this boat sucks, dude. 
but the whole circumstance of how that relationship was managed, unfortunately, probably does fall on Tom's shoulders. And losing Craig Kelly definitely got Dorfman's attention. It seems when I went back to read it that uh, Kelly was quite a, quite a, well, he was a star of sorts. And I think the suit was more about trying to punish him than it was about the issues. He found there had been contractual interference. He also found that the contract was, you know, not worth the paper it was written on. Oh, I was going to say, we were killing them at that time. They, they were not even, from my perspective in the office, they, they were like a punchline. You know, and that kind of rose out of out of just watching their team in speed suits and just their approach. You know, we, we just kind of were like, what, what the hell is that? And we just kind of looked at them as very driven out of the ski culture, which makes sense, you know. And, and snowboarding is always going to have a link to the ski culture, and that's not a bad thing at all. But at that time, when we're basically all kids and our mentality is West Coast, snowboarding is skateboarding on the snow... It was just a radically different thing. So, you know, yeah, I mean, Craig was infinitely more valuable to Burton in the sense that I had, call it, four other guys queued up. Craig Kelly, he taught me about business. He taught me about teams and how to deal with sponsorships and things like that. And now I write contracts. <laughs> what Burton didn't count on was... So one of the deals was, so you got whatever for a, a little picture, whatever for a half page, whatever for a cover, whatever for a back. What Burton got nailed on, and we always joke about this, so contest footage. So Craig would sit there, and I think for every 10 seconds that you could read the bottom of the board, you know, you could read Burton, he got a certain amount of money. He would literally take footage, and if it was like one error, he'd be all, okay, one second. <laughs> he'd come through... And, um, you know, that's just the kind of the kind of mind, you know, he's like, I'm getting fucking paid for this shit. When I came on the team and I was really impressionable, you know, like Craig was someone I looked up to and had the most respect for, you know, and I ended up being able to have these opportunities to do trips with him and like get to know him. And, you know, he would invite me up to come stay in his house and snowboard Baker, you know, and he would have Terry and come up, you know, just like these wide eyed kids running around and trying to stay out of trouble, you know, like really just, you know, he shared so much, you know, with us. And for me personally, you know, like uh, I grew up without a father and I always looked at him like a father figure, you know, he was really a, someone that I had, you know, so much respect for and just like would give me good advice and you know, saw, you know, he shared with me these experiences in the mountain that just kind of shaped my path for what I want to do with my snowboarding, you know, and like it really set, you know, the inspiration to move to a place like Jacksonville to get to know the mountains and learn about it and grow as a rider and have the freedom of, you know, you know, having the knowledge to have freedom in the mountains and go, you know, make decisions for myself and explore terrain and do it right, you know, and like, you know, he was a huge, you know, like this is number one, you know, inspiration snowboarding for me. Craig kind of, you know, helped me figure out what to be well-rounded, you know, like he was being well-rounded in his career by being a racer and a half-pipe guy and a free rider and all these different aspects of his career. It was funny, he was such a hard worker, but he would always be like, hey, we're not taking at least three, three runs a day, we're just faking it. I remember him saying that all the time. It's like you and your best friend, that comes first, man. Craig and I were, aside from snowboarding, we were buddies, I mean... When he went through his divorce, he cried on my shoulders. When I went through my divorce, I cried on his shoulders. Here's where Craig and I, even more than snowboarding, had a connection. Hardcore rock and roll, heavy metal rock and roll, right? So 
so I, I moved into this fraternity, didn't know a soul, and I figured, watch this, man. I'm going to find out who has the guts to come meet the new guy. Put on my turntable, Judas Priest, Hellbent for another, and opened the door to the hallway and cranked it. Let's see who comes and tells me to shut this off. And the first guy to walk in was Craig. And he walks in and says, hey, dude, I heard the priest. Welcome. You're Kruger, the dude that got hit by the drunk driver, aren't you? Hey, I'm having a party. We were gathering up in my room later on. Come on up. A couple hours later, I went up to Craig's room. This is 1984, right? So he said they didn't allow snowboarding. Mount Bachelor hadn't seen it, ever seen a snowboard. I had seen a Mountain Dew commercial, but I had never been on a snowboard, right? Walk into Craig's room, and there's like five or six snowboards leaning against the wall. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who are you? And sitting on a table in his room, this is before there were any real snowboard mags, there's a powder magazine sitting on the counter, and Craig's on the cover, snowboarding on it. And it says, snowboarding, is it a fad or, or the new beginning? And he goes, oh, I like to snowboard just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit? Holy shit. That evening, he said, hey, class will start next Monday. Your background at Mount Bachelor, 20 years of skiing, and you're like a crazy guy. Right on one of my extra boards, Let's skip the very first day of college classes. Let's climb, take two days to climb Mount Rainier and snowboard down from the summit on the Nisqually Glacier. Come with me. And I said, hell yeah. So I skipped my very first day of college, climbed Mount Rainier with Craig, took two days, and we snowboarded down the Nisqually Glacier. That's the first time I was ever on a board. And there was just no way of getting around it. Like when he rode, people stopped and watched. You know, he was poetry in motion. You know, that's, that's all there's to it. In my estimation, had gathered probably the most important lesson in life is that everyone's important. Everyone deserves to be treated kindly and with respect. And also to do what we love and love what we do. He personified that in his writing, and I think that he was probably a really good rider because he was just present with what he was doing. To watch him ride was a, um, a message from the divine. Well, it's funny because he had this board... That for some reason the tail of board he drilled a big hole in it just to see what what it would do you know so then our, we called him for a while we called him the holy one because he was kind of like you know he was the guy that we the weed there so he was the holy one there was something about Craig he didn't have to say anything particular he didn't have to do anything particular just being in his presence you knew you were a better man you yeah. knew I knew I was a better guy my heart was lifted up my self esteem was stronger. My character was more intact. Just being in Craig's presence, there was something magically weird about his energy. Every time I was around him, I felt like a better man. That is, is why he was one of my best buddies. Special thanks to Jeff Kruger and Ken Wiley you heard at the end there. The music at the beginning and the little clips of Craig were from the Burton movie Chill. And Judas Priest's Hellbent for Leather is in here, obviously. Thanks for listening to the F and Rad Snowboarding Podcast brought to you by BR Productions.